Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. It is broadcasting from the U.S. Meat Export Federation meeting that is taking place in Carlsbad, California. And I did uh, say I was going to try to bring this warmer weather back with me to Nebraska when I come back tonight. Having said that, markets today made an interesting type of track. We saw some definite higher numbers in the corn and the beans. Now those higher numbers in corn and beans, how much nervousness did that cause in the feeder cattle market? We're going to look at all of that today as P.J. Conrad joins us. He is with Tradeoff. So let's look at this corn first off. Uh, nice to see some, some numbers jumping on a Friday. Uh, it's been a great week, honestly, all in all, Susan, kind of coming off uh, that USDA report on Tuesday. And you had the feeling going into it we had sold off so much that uh, barring the report not having anything massively bearish, we'd have a nice little comeback. And we did. And it's been a good week. And Really, you look at these corn where it's at now at 577 and a half on the close up eight on Friday. Um, really, that 584 to 586 type number is our next major resistance point. Uh, post that, we need to get through uh, six bucks and, and see where it takes us from there. Uh, but all positivity right now, and that's obviously good. You know, by and large in Nebraska, especially uh, a lot of good yields out there. And so you can't complain about that. And you got Dees 22 corn knocking on the door of 548, and that spread. You know, it's funny, about a month ago, the Dees 21 to Dees 22 spread was almost flat, and now we're back to inverted 30 cents. So uh, there's some spread traders out there having some fun. Um, but all in all, a, a good week and something to build on going into next week for sure. Well, there's the soybean numbers, you know, just a week ago, we were having some big struggles in that contract, and now we're really seeing kind of a regain on it. But the soybean meal and its trade today, can we blame or actually thank them for the jump we saw in the soybeans? Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. I think that you saw a lot of the outside soybean, you know, the oil, the meal, everything, it kind of sold off too. Uh, So then you couple that with a stronger last few days, beans have followed suit. And really a big close in beans, to be real honest, on the jam beans. You know, resistance was at uh, 12.33, roughly. We finished at 12.43. You know, you're looking at some moving averages. Uh, 12.56 is kind of the next spot. As we look at the 50-day moving average there and see if we can't grind back towards 13. And, and you know, fundamentals aside, there's a lot of things I'd tell you from a retracement standpoint. Beans getting to 13 to 13.50, just so away from a harvest low uh, retracement back to the medium there. Uh, we're on track. Now, corn, on the other hand, you know, we're knocking on 60 plus percent retracement. Uh, does it keep going? It definitely could. Uh, the question is if you did have better yields, are you not looking at laying off some risk here? Or are you willing to roll the dice going into the first of the year here in a, a short uh, 45 days or so, which is crazy to say out loud? We'll be staring down 2022. And uh, hopefully, it seems like every few months, life gets a little bit more normal for uh, everybody, the travel situation. So we'll see what it all means. There's a lot of weird things going on from the global uh, global aspect as well. All right. You talked that global aspect. And I was reading earlier today that there's some rumors about China uh, making some purchases of corn uh, from the Ukraine, not from the United States and not from South America. <laughs> Uh, definitely an odd place for them to go buy, but uh, to say maybe it's the cheapest, I haven't looked to see, but if they were the cheapest offer out there, then I guess that would make sense. You know, I think the one thing to think about, too, it's just weird. You know, China's telling their people to stockpile food and whatnot. Uh, typically, when a country does that, it, it would you know maybe mean you're going to war. I shouldn't say they're going to go to war, but 
it usually means more than just, hey, you need to stockpile. So what what does that happen moving forward, and what are they preparing themselves for? I guess you, know, you did I fast forward back and just always trying to think about history. Um, a short 18 months ago, no one saw a COVID-type situation to tank the markets. Um, today, there's nothing saying fundamentally out there outside maybe a, a big South American harvest that's going to tank the markets. But if China were to do something erratic or something to shut things down for a while, that could be the black swan. But uh, it's, it's, it's a black swan and that no one knows about. So if I'm talking about that, probably means it's not going to happen either. Well, I wouldn't say that because Don Rose with U.S. Commodities yesterday during this program, during the Fontenelle Final Bell, also brought up the black swan possibility. So there's got to be something substantial out there if two guys two days in a row talk about the exact same thing. I just think uh, in my personal mind is, is usually things don't go one direction all the time. And we've been on a heck of a good run, and we might run another, you know, fifty cents in beans or more. We might run another fifty cents in corn or more. Uh, I get, you still want to look those opportunities in the mouth too long, especially with uh, the potential profit you could be leaving on the table if there were to be, say, a dollar sell-off, which isn't crazy to think. Uh, just looking back a short month ago, actually on the thirteenth of October, we put a low in that day at five oh six, and today we're at five seventy seven. On corn, so you kind of do the math pretty quick. Uh, Sixty cents on uh, two hundred plus bushel corn that goes a long way. So you just don't. Obviously, you want to be optimistic, and I'm right there with everyone. I think there's some positivity to come out of this. Again, you don't want to look at it too long, though, in the event things were to pull back. The the weather in South America has definitely been in their favor for growing this crop. Um, we here at USMEF people were talking about soybeans and, and the harvest possibilities for the month of December, which we continue to talk a lot about. But it, it just seems so unreal. But it's happening. It is, and, and really, you found, or you go, you know, rewind a year ago. Yes, we had a smaller crop, uh, and that kept getting smaller throughout every report. South America was also fighting a drought at that same time, and that's really what Catapulo's post first of the year to those higher highs and the unknowns as we went into our own growing season. We had a lot of issues there to start the year. Um, so now you look at 2021, where we sit today, it seems, albeit not a ton, but it seems like our crop keeps getting a little bit bigger every time. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up. It is the Friday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. For over 85 years, Fontenelle Hybrids has brought consistency to Nebraska farmers. Fontenelle dealer Dusty Mim near Sutton talks about the consistency he's seen on his own farm. We run a lot of checks with competitive products to make sure that, that we're offering our customers the best product that we possibly can. And time and time again, Fontenelle has, has come to the plate and hit base hit after base hit. For more, just contact your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer or look us up on the web, Fontenelle.com. Always follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide labor. Performance may vary. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation with PJ Conrad. He's with Trados. We left off kind of talking about what was happening in the markets. And I want to talk a little bit more about this, this basis discussion that you were having. Because um, basis, is this the thought kind of across the Midwest when it comes to looking at the December basis price? I think so. I mean, by and large, there's a lot of holes out there. And don't be wrong, there'll be good basis numbers to get traded later as well. Um, it's just it's all comes on a cost to carry type number, and if you're 
waiting on a futures price, uh, there's definitely ways to take advantage of that without uh, not moving, you know, with moving your physical crop and then also, say, reowning it uh, in your brokerage account or using some sort of call option to stay uh, long if things were to take off to 650 or what number. So to me, it makes sense to keep things moving. And also, you look at GNFed March, those are historical time frames that farmers do like to move corn, and then you get the planting already. And so you start kind of pigeon your whole self in areas uh, – December is historically a great month to move corn. And uh, like I said, obviously this year probably should be better. And it seems like everywhere, especially Nebraska, and the reason some people in Nebraska or mostly the whole state, and you kind of get the northern part of the state's actually stronger than normal, is Canada didn't raise much of the crop. So a lot of the Dakota corn is flowing north, which is unheard of. But that's the reality of the situation we're in. And also very, very profitable ethanol margins. So an extra 10 cents in basis isn't going to change their life. They just want the corn to grind. So that's going to keep things running pretty strong. Uh, I really like the idea of moving a good chunk in December and then holding some off for later in the year uh, if it works logistically for the guy. I'm okay with uh, skipping over these winter months and already thinking about planting, which you know has been taking place in, in discussions because – Everybody's talking about this corn versus bean possibilities in this next year. Uh, yes, agreed. Uh, just some studies coming out of the University of Illinois. I mean, they are still showing corn more profitable than soybeans. You know, you kind of look at, say, call $12 beans and, uh, you know, $5 corn. That should still pencil better. And I know that it comes down to can you actually get the product. Now we've had a decent fall, by and large, if you got done with harvest early enough um, to put anhydrous on. And, and I think there's been some guys to the south of us that definitely have. And if it looks like 50s, 60s next week, if you have it, you have to put it on. And so we're going to determine some of that fate. I mean, there are the argument the University of Illinois was making is even in high fertilizer most years, it's still going to be, there's not a massive acre shift. Now, the one thing that maybe makes this year a little bit different is, yes, the price is high, but can we physically get the product when you need it come spring? Uh, that's a whole other discussion. But sitting here today, uh, just solely run the pencil, it would say corn still is better than beans. And I think there's a lot of optimism around corn yields, especially this last year in Nebraska, that are saying, I think I can control those better than I can my bean yields. And that's typically the case you hear every year, but it's still a bigger conversation now with the higher fertilizer prices. Yeah, very much so. So let's switch gears and look at the at the livestock side. A lot of nervousness uh, today on the livestock market, especially in this feeder cattle, as they watch these grain p- prices bounce. They did feeders, uh, especially jam feeders, took a pretty bad beating uh, down a dollar seventy, and really kind of broke out. Shouldn't say broke out of the range. Um, but they never seem to really break out above and get back to that, say, 162 level that the 100-day moving average is at. So that's going to be a key thing to watch moving into next week is if we can get a little rebound there, even in the face of higher corn prices. And from a technical aspect, it does look like we're trying to turn things around a little bit anyways and maybe try to get back to you know the two-week high uh, sitting right around that 160-type level. So ideally, we, we trade back, and it's been a tough year for uh, – the cattle farmer and the uh, cow calf guy and the feedlot guy. So hopefully we get some positivity there. And, and rolling over to fats, I mean, 
these fats, they really held their own. It, it's funny, they're only down 10 cents today, and they've just kind of held the 100-day moving average here in the last, oh, 10 trading days. So moving into next week, the question is, do we try to go back up to 135, or do we try to go back down to 128? And that's going to be, you know, ultimately, I think we have a uh, cattle on feed report next Friday, I believe. Um, so some of that pre-positioning is probably going to happen going into that report and see where the market wants to take us from there. Well, definitely, even though the, the grain prices took it um, hard on the livestock today, nobody's complaining about the way those cash has been bringing in. No, no, not at all. And I think there's some profitability out there to be had. If you're uh, looking at the feedlot situation, even with prices, you'd think they should be higher just due to inflationary type things. And they haven't really had their necessarily their day in the sun. They've been a slow grind higher in the last year. Good. What is the best way for folks to get a hold of you, PJ? Uh, you can call me at 402-858-7529, or you can find us on any social media platform at Trados LLC. All right, that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, and they're not suitable for all investors. And that is the Fontenelle Final Bell from the Carlsbad, California, USMEF meeting, being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.